Hey everyone, this is Liz Snare. I'm the Vice President of US and Canada Label Management at The Orchard. Liz, thank you so much for, for joining uh, today. I know there's, there's a lot going on in the world that we've been trying to make this one happen as well for like a year. So so appreciate you taking the time out of, uh, I guess a pandemic had to happen in order for us to chat. So. <laughs> Well, if one thing comes out of this, yeah. Right, right, exactly, exactly. But, uh, but again, I'm I'm really excited to to chat with you today. I know um, starting a label is something that a lot of people uh, have done or want to do, and um, I think it's great what you do over at the Orchard. And so I think it's real interesting to kind of talk about what it is that you guys do and how you help labels to. Uh, give a little bit of insight to anybody that's looking to do that now. So, um, you know, but before we jump into all that, we're going through a lot, um, you know, uh, socially as well as politically, not only with the virus, but also with, um, you know, the, the Black Lives Matter protests that have been going on. So, um, you know, one thing that I've been doing is, is just kind of checking in on everybody, um, especially given a lot of us are in New York. So curious what your experience has been like, you know, kind of your, your thoughts on, on how everything's going and, and uh, is there anything that you're doing, any causes that you'd love to highlight? I'm going to take a second. Yeah, yeah, please. Um. Yeah, it's definitely um, it's definitely powerful times right now and interesting times. Um, obviously, we were all at home in, in our houses, you know, on lockdown, and um, and I think it provided um, everyone a little more time to think and really pay attention to you know what's actually going on in our country and in our world right now as it comes to, you know, racism and inequality. And um, I've been really proud to see the, the conversations going on um, and, you know, just to, to listen. Um, and I know I, the main thing for me is just, I do need to talk more going forward. I, you know, I've, um, but it's been, um, we've had such powerful employee-led conversations, you know, just listening to my, my Black colleagues talk about their experiences growing up, um, you know, whether here or in London or, you know, anywhere around the world and, you know, what they've had to face that, that I will never understand. Um, and you know, I've just, I've, I feel, you know, obviously there's, there's so much available to, to get out there and to read and to listen and to learn. And, um, and I, I'm just very hopeful that, you know, we can, we can keep it in the front of people's minds and we can move forward and we can vote and, um, you know, we can find ways to, to lift people up and find a little more equality. Yeah, I definitely agree and, and appreciate you answering the question. I think um, that's that's what I'm trying to do even with this is like, um, although music is is what we do, um, there's also, uh, there should be the right in intent behind it. And it is to help people and to spread the right message. So I want to 
you know, make sure that we're taking time within this, like, hey, if we're asking people to listen to this music stuff, we're also going to make sure that we're hitting them with things that they should be paying attention to. Because, um, yeah, I think, just like you said, one of the reasons we've all been able to focus on this is because everyone's been on lockdown. There's no sports. Everything's been like zeroed in on this. So we've all had to pay attention to it, which I think has been great. And, and I, I hope we're just doing our part to continue that conversation so it doesn't just kind of fizzle out because, yeah, um, yeah we're just trying to push it forward. And, you know, shame on us all, the collective us, that it took this yeah. to, to open everyone's eyes. But um, hopefully people's eyes are open and more will open and they will stay open. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. You know, tell us a little bit more about yourself. I know you're from uh, Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania. I'm originally from Mechanicville, New York, so I guess we're cousins in uh, <laughs> that regard. But uh, but yeah, t- tell us a little bit more about how you got your start in music. Sure. Um, music was always a giant part of my life. I played a bunch of instruments, and I was in band and jazz band and marching band and chorus and musicals and more. Um, but I never, I didn't know right away it was going to be my career. Um, I went to college for marine biology and it was during my sophomore year. Um, there was a band that was supposed to fly over from London to play a show and their show got canceled. So something sparked in me and I wanted to find a replacement venue for this band. And I had no idea how to do it and I had no connections. Um, but I, I decided I was going to make it happen. I remember I had an organic chemistry final that day and I, uh, I rushed through my final and then ran over to Lansdowne street. I was in Boston at the time and just started knocking on the doors of clubs and trying like to book a show for tomorrow. Uh, I got home, I called the radio station. I, I had no idea what I was doing and I wasn't successful. Um, but the next day I applied uh, to work at every record store in town and signed up for internships and changed my major and knew that, you know, I had realized that all along, that's what I should have been working towards. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, it panned out, right? It worked out in the long run. So sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, um, you know, we, I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, that you, you're, you're at the Orchard. Um, the Orchard, for those that don't know, is an umbrella underneath Sony. And, and you've been there for a long time at Sony and, and Red and, and now the Orchard. Um, what's, like, what's your most memorable story from your, your long tenure at the company? There's a lot of them. Yeah, I started with Sony back in 2003. Um, and what, one of the stories that was really cool for me um, being a metalhead, we're at the orchard where we distribute Megaforce and Megaforce, um, is the label for the band Anthrax. And we were working together when Anthrax played the big four show at Yankee stadium. Mm. Um, so Metallica Slayer, Megadeth Anthrax, and we were promoting their record worship music and we were passing out rosary beads and, you know, just to be able to be there and, a part of the team um, for that big event was, was really exciting. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, such a, such a pivotal moment in, in that time. And then like at Yankee stadium, you know what I mean? Yeah. The old Yankee stadium. So it was still like a lot of, Oh no, 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 this is, this is new. This was, oh, this uh, was a new one. yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. okay, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Even better. So like starting like that, that new, yeah. that new tradition is very cool. Yeah. 
Um, kind of a follow-up question to all that too. Um, you know, a lot of people within music tend to kind of hop from label, label, you know, uh, regime changes and things like that. Why do you think that you've been able to stay in, you know, within the Sony family for such a long time? Yeah, I've, I guess I've just, I've been lucky. Um, I've always felt challenged. I'm still learning things every day. Um, and, and I've, you know, I've had a lot of different supervisors and bosses and, and different roles within the companies, but, um, but I've, I've found, um, that I've felt really supported and there's been different opportunities for me to continue to learn and grow. So, you know, as long as I'm learning new things and, and broadening, um, what I know, uh, then, then I'm happy and I'm engaged and um and i feel like that right now um you know the industry the music industry is always changing anyway so it's hard not to keep learning um but yeah in in my role overseeing label management um you know it's just every day there's something new and and i love it that's awesome i think um yeah i think everything that you've done up to this point in your career kind of culminates into like a position that you have now. It's like, you've done every piece of what a label does. And now it's like, okay, now you get to help all these people and be like, Oh, you need this now. And you need this then. And so, yeah, that, that, that's awesome. Yeah. That's and on top of that, there's been, I mean, and Sony has like different opportunities for learning and development. So there's been different courses that I've taken, mm -hmm. whether on, you know, people management or, you know, just different personal professional skills that you can learn as well. Um, and I found those invaluable. Oh yeah, definitely. Any, anytime a company offers those types of services, you can, you get a, a good understanding that they want to keep you around. So it's like hard, uh, hard to leave that too. Cause it's like, Oh, you're going to pay me to learn more and you're going to keep me here and, and you get to grow within that. That's right. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, cool. So now I kind of want to switch gears slightly and, and get a little bit more into, you know, kind of your day-to-day -day stuff. So, you know, as you mentioned, you're, you're part of the label management team. Can you explain a little bit more for those that don't know about what it is that you do and kind of what your day-to-day -day looks like? Sure. We are the label managers at a distribution company are involved in every aspect of distribution that a label could need, right? So it's our job to be on the front lines and help the labels maximize their releases, develop their artists, maximize their revenue, and really take advantage of everything that, um, that the orchard has to offer. So it's, it's never the same day to day. You know, we're dealing with, um, you know, one day maybe you're doing a really creative brainstorm on a new artist and trying to decide what demographic to target. And the next day, maybe you're diving into a 10,000 line spreadsheet trying to reconcile and figure out what's missing um, and everything in between. <laughs> Yeah, the, uh, the, the spreadsheets are always the, uh, the most fun, mm -hmm. I can imagine. <laughs> um, cool. So, so kind of within that, uh, another slight follow up, you know, why would it make sense for, you know, an up and coming label or even a label that's had some success uh, to partner with The Orchard? What is it um, that makes you guys special and, and attractive to, you know, smaller labels? I think what makes us special um, is that we offer a lot. We're, we're a full service company. You know, we're not the bargain basement, throw your record up and walk away. 
um, you know, we have offices in over 40 markets with teams in each one. Um, you know, we have full out advertising teams and performance collections. And so I think it's, when we're looking at labels, we're looking at um, labels that want to grow, labels that want to partner with us and find opportunities. Because, you know, if you think about that, the teams that, that we have, they're wanting to know, they want to have records that have opportunity, right? So um, we're looking for labels that are gonna provide us with the drivers and the ammo and, and do the things that we're recommending to help them take it to the next level. I think you hit on something super important there, though, that a lot of people, especially uh, coming up, uh, tend to forget. It's that like when you get signed by a label or when you partner with a distribution company, that's really when a lot of the work tends to actually start, when you should really start to pay attention in those meetings and, and be the driver for that. Is that um, you know something that you would recommend to people on the come up? Like don't don't um you know kind of rest on your laurels once you get signed or it's really put in the work then yeah absolutely i think i think it's the same whether you're talking about an artist who's developing or even just a a young uh professional who's getting into the industry it's the same thing it's like when you get that first job you're just starting right like the networking that you did to get that job now you got to double that and keep networking and keep growing so i think it's it's the same for artists for sure um, you know, there's so much out there to do. Um, and the more that either as an artist or as a label, um, the more of that that you understand and you understand why it has to get done and how it should get done, the, you'll be able to prioritize, you know, your time. Hmm. Great, great. Um, another question about how you guys, um, you know, decide to, uh, partner with certain people like what is it that you guys look for specifically just like you meant you, you hit on it a second ago talking about you know we want people that um, you know are gonna uh, that understand what needs to happen and do put in the work because it's on them as well but is there anything else that you guys look forward to obviously the music has to be great um, you know that that's kind of without uh, that goes without saying but um, is there like um, you know, do, do labels that you're looking to partner with need to be at a certain scale? Like, do they already need to be, you know, have a ton of streams or a ton of YouTube plays? Or do you guys just, you know, are there times when you select the labels that have, you know, uh, are just starting out that have like three or four good songs and, and yeah. one artist? Like, what's kind of the, the range? It's it's 100% a case by case. You're right mm -hmm. that the music, you know, it, it all starts there. Um, and a lot of times we're talking to big labels that have a catalog and, you know, at that, and are at that level, but, but sometimes somebody walks in and, you know, you, you can see in that person that they have something special and, you know, that they are going to bring great music to the company. Um, I think that the way that we're built, we're flexible to be able to work with either the fully staffed built out label or the young entrepreneur, um, the platform and, and the way our company structure allows us to do that. Um, so there's, there's really not a specific, you need to have X number of streams or you need to have you know, X number of releases. It's more, it's more individ individualized than that. Hmm. So kind of taking that a step further, what can artists do artists and labels do to kind of set themselves up for success? Is it really, sure. 
um, you know, cause a lot of times they just go, they, they come to, you know, young people come to labels and say, I have great music. That's it. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. all I need. Right. But it's a little bit more than that. Obviously you need a relationship. You need to, for those people that you do partner with that have great songs and are young, they definitely have some sort of a relationship at the label. So can you kind of talk to uh, about how to uh, cultivate those relationships? And then again, what else they might need on, on top of that? Yeah. Even um, before relationships, it's, uh, there's so much that you can do on your own before you have a giant distribution partner, right? So even if, say, say you signed an artist and you want a distribution deal and you send it over to the alias or you know somebody, and I go and I look at their Spotify profile and they have one picture and it's cropped to just the left arm and the, the bio has typos or there's no bio and, you know, there's no picture on Apple and you haven't uploaded anything on YouTube in a month. Like maybe that's not the right person, you know, like, because it's a lot of work. And, and when you partner with a company, like, like you just said, the work doesn't go away. That's when the work begins. So if, if you can't do the basics, um, you know, how are you going to be able to do everything else? Yeah. Um, Oh, that's such a great insight. It's like, just do the very basics that have great music, do the basics. People ask me that question all the time. Like, Oh, how do I get control of my Spotify page or my Apple music page? It's like, Google's your best friend, right? But also <laughs> go to, go to artist.spotify.com, yeah. you know, artist.applemusic.com, claim your profiles and like, just do the basics. Yeah. And the one thing that, um, curious your thoughts on this too, um, because it is a lot of work. What I tend to tell people starting out is that um, because you, you know, a lot of people lack resources and time, right? So one thing I say is like, focus on one or two platforms to be great on. In terms of having your music across all the streaming platforms, you need to claim your profiles, have those pictures, have the, the profiles. But uh, you know, I, I tend to tell people like, especially with social, focus on like one or two and be great at those um and, and cultivate a real audience and then you know once you're able to bring in a team then you can kind of grow into a different platform that you might not have been on curious your thoughts about you know how people should think about it because you can definitely burn yourself out if you're trying to be across 10 platforms all at once you know right you know it's, it's hard to be great at all that totally i think that's where um that's where our, our tech platforms come in uh, that's um a really important part of what we offer to labels and artists is our workstation and our app. And we, cause I agree. It's like, if you're trying to focus everywhere, it's, you know, going to look bad everywhere unless you have a full staff. Um, but we try to make it really easy to figure out where you should focus. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you're only looking at Spotify for artists, then you can't tell how your Spotify listener compares to your Apple, to your Deezer, to your YouTube, Amazon, et cetera. So we try, we put all that data in one place um, and we break it down further. Like how are your artists listening to your music? Where are they? Who are they? Um, to help labels and artists figure out where to put their energy. Got it. Got it. Kind of on that note, um, I was going to ask these questions in reverse order, but I think this makes more sense now. Um, you know, what do you think some of the biggest challenges uh, that artists are facing today, um, especially given COVID? Um, and, 
So that's kind of part one. And then part two is like, do you have any tips or tricks, you know, for how they can kind of combat those obstacles? Yeah, definitely right now, the lack of being able to tour is obviously crippling to so many artists and being able to figure out how to connect with fans um, fully online. And some people it comes naturally and they're really good at it. Um, And for others, it's hard. We had an artist, um, a great artist, Tessa Violet, um, that we're working with. And our college department did a... um, a virtual meet and greet with some of her fans and I, I joined in and it was just amazing. They all felt like they were in the room with her and it was the greatest conversation. Um, and she just was able to connect so deeply through the screen. Um, and, and it's, it's a talent and it's special, but it can be, it can be learned and it, it can, um, develop. So practice and figure out what works for you. You know, so many artists are out there doing live streams and, and sometimes they go great and sometimes they don't, but you know, there's, there's lots of different platforms to try and you'll find one that's, that's comfortable for you. I think, yeah, I think on, we're, Oh, go ahead. No, go, you go ahead. I was just going to say on top of, um, on top of that, just in general, um, for artists right now, I think figuring out is kind of what you touched on before what's the right way for me to get my music out there? There's so many options, right? It used to be get signed to a label. And now it's, should I, you know, use this DIY platform? Should I partner with a label? Should I put a team around me that kind of looks like a label, but it's not? Um, and, and trying to figure out what's best for each individual artist is hard. Um, but I think the only, the best thing that people need to do, I mean, they need to obviously do their homework, which anyone who's listening to this is doing (laughs) Um, and and figure out what um, you know, there's pros and cons to each scenario. Right. And, um, and then once you find out what's best for you, you, you don't need to wait to get started. Like we were talking about, like building out your profiles. That's what's nice. There's access. Artists have access to anything right now. So if, if you find that there's a label that's perfect for you, but they're not ready for you yet, you can still put your music out and build your platform and get to a point where it does make sense. Yeah. I think, I think what's great um, is that the playing field has just been leveled, right. And technology has made it uh, so that artists can do things themselves. Um, And, and yeah, being able to, um, I think doing your homework is probably the biggest asset there because um, knowledge is power. And if you understand the value of your music and kind of where you and what you're good at, you're able to kind of plug in and plug out or, you know, do a partnership, just like you talked about doing, you know, uh, potentially working with a label that might not be ready for you. It's like, you can still, if you understand what they bring to the table and you understand what you bring to the table, you can find a win-win situation to be like, okay, great. We'll do like this one song or this one album rollout. We kind of do this together you know, for the set period of time or the set period of money and, and then keep it moving. Um, and, and yeah, it really starts with just being able to do your homework. Um, so yeah, uh, well said. My second question was, um, you know, kind of in that same vein was, you know, what do you think labels, uh, you know, what are they struggling with? Um, and, you know, uh, or I guess what are, some, what, what are some of their biggest challenges and, and any insight into how they can, um, you know, kind of prepare themselves for the future. Uh, because if they're not a promoting touring company, 
you know, and they are kind of an upstart label, you know, how do you think they should, or should they be pivoting or what should they be focusing on now? Um, I think, I think for labels, the biggest challenge, and we touched on this a little bit earlier is just the sheer amount of work there is to do to represent your artists and yourself online. Um, and you need to do as much of it as you can, you know? Um, but, uh, but I think using the data and the technology that's available to you and making sure that you're with a partner that gives you the analytics to be able to make sheer, you know, in the moment decisions to pivot, like you're spending money on ads and they're not doing anything. So don't continue to run that same ad for a month, make a change, like drive to a different platform um, and, and use what's use all that great data that's available to you to figure out how to make an impact. It's going to be different for every artist. Um, you know, it might be a different territory for every artist, a territory that they've never been to, but you know, they got on a playlist in, in Finland and it, it's performing support that and find different ways to connect in that territory. So, so well said, because uh, a lot of times when you're coming up, you think like, oh, I just want to be big in the U.S. and you don't, it's hard to like think outside of like your own bubble and your own corner, your own neighborhood. Um, and yeah, I just, oh, go ahead. You said, I want to just like correct myself a little bit too, because the example I used was a using kind of using a playlist as artist development, which is something that, uh, yes, when you can get one, uh, like, and you haven't done anything, that's great. But, um, you know, we're constantly working with artists and labels in the opposite way, right? Like focus on what you can control, um, yeah. which is, artist development and artist development existed long before playlists ever did. So uh, I don't want, I don't want it to come across like I'm saying, like, just wait till you get a playlist and jump on it. Um, you know, there's so yeah. much that you can do outside of that, that we've already talked about with your platforms. And that's really what you should be focusing on. Yeah, I, exactly. I think it's about trying to find value for your fans, right? If you should really be trying to focus on, you know, your, one fan at a time, your, you know, your five fans, your 10, your 20, your 50, because once you can nail that, then getting playlisted is, is just fuel to the fire. Then it's like, okay, now it's going to go. And I think that also relates to what you were talking about before too, with the, um, uh, you know, the virtual like meet and greets and, and kind of, it's a talent and, and things like that. It's really about learning those things and learning how to create value too often everybody in the come up is like, I want a million fans and I just want to be famous. And it's like, yes, everyone wants that. That's yeah. the goal. But you know, if you can't connect with five people in front of you, the, the 20,000 seat arena, it's, it's not going to matter. You're not going to be able to get there because you don't know the emotional connection that you need to hit. And then once you're able to figure out what the emotional connection is, that's going to make your music better. And it's going to make it hit harder and then it's going to make the marketing better. And then it's all going to be real because it, it's real. You're a real person and that's what you're saying and that's what you're putting out into the world. And so, yeah, I think artists need to focus on in labels, you know, like we're talking is just the value add. How can you make someone's life better? What can you bring to the table? How can you service them? Okay. Um, so yeah, definitely agree. 
Um, speaking of streaming for a second, you know, uh, streaming is becoming commonplace now. Do you think that we're kind of entering a, a new golden era in music that, you know, can potentially surpass the, you know, 80s and 90s? Yeah, so when you look at all the economic projections, it's, you know, that we're heading definitely in the right direction. And, you know, all these kids that are growing up now are growing up in a world where you stream music and, you know, the, the access in territories that have, have never had as much access to music. I mean, it's, yes. And so absolutely, it's going to keep growing. You know, obviously this year we, the, they're reprojecting everything based on, um, based on everything the world is going through, but, um, but absolutely streaming is going to continue to grow. Um, you know, and I think it's interesting too, to look at what'll be next um, the next evolution of streaming platforms, how, you know, the, the types of platforms that are really going to reach out and hit the super fan and give them even more than, you know, just the album and the playlist. Um, but so that's, that's exciting to me as well. Yeah, definitely. I've been reading a lot. Um, I'm trying to blink on the company's name right now. Um, but uh, there's one in China that's really kind of merging. I think it's a company that um, one of the parent companies that owns TikTok and they're kind of coming up with a new um, streaming social kind of app, mm. which they already pretty much have in China, um, but we don't really have over here. And yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting to pay attention to because um, especially now, hopefully you can come now so that, you know, you can watch your Instagram live and tip right in the app and the yeah. payment goes through, or you can buy the piece of merch right on there. Um, you know, yeah. Facebook partnered yeah. with Shopify. So it'll be interesting to see how all that continues to grow too. We're working, we work with another company too called, um, Gimme Radio mm. and, and they do, um, they do some cool things like that too. They have an app for for country and Americana and an app for metal and they have different artists that'll DJ and you can buy exclusive colors of vinyl and yeah. it's, it's a lot of community and there's chat room, you know, all that kind of stuff. It's, it's really cool. Yeah. I think that's just going to continue. And again, it goes back to the point we were just making about trying to add value to, to your fan, right? Like if you're thinking about that now, when these platforms make their way over to the U.S. and, and um, or just you know the, the platforms that are already here kind of expand, like you're going to be primed and ready to go because you already know how to add value. You're already doing it, and now it's just the actual mechanics of like how it gets done faster to make you more efficient to get the money coming in. And yeah, I, I hope that continues to work, and I hope you know artists are may, able to make kind of their own little subscription services so that you know there's more steady money coming in so they can better project how they're going to make money in the long run and then hopefully get more funding to do bigger projects to put out great art into the world and, and i'm sure you guys over at the orchard will be kind of suited right there as well to, to help them help them grow mm -hmm. um so I uh, appreciate all that insight. I do have a, a personal question as we kind of wrap up. I like to ask people, you know, because uh, we also have some listeners that are trying to get in uh, as executives and not just artists. So I like to ask the question, you know, what do you think is something, um, you know, that you failed at early on in your career that you kind of went back to the drawing board and were like, I need to get better at this over the long term. And then we're able to go out there and do that. I think there are two areas um, that I could have focused a little more on earlier that I learned later. Um, 
one of them is more more time when you're going into a meeting or interview or, or anything thinking about your personal brand and what you want to bring into the room um you know I'm, we're all thinking about what are we going to do for this record and obviously that's the most important but i think as a as a young person coming into the industry thinking a little bit more about you know what you personally want to bring into the room as um um as a as a part of the team um i think that that's one area and and the other area is a little more reflection um both looking back on campaigns that were run and really analyzing what worked and what didn't work and also looking back on meetings conversations on on a personal level um, I think there's a fine line. Obviously, you don't want to get caught in rumination and spending a ton of time in the past. Um, but I think over time, I learned to spend a little time. I was definitely very <laughs> like, let's go, go, go. Um, and I think it was a, a important thing for me to eventually learn to spend a little more time reflecting on either a day or a meeting or a conversation. Yeah, that, that's been big for me, too, because then you're able to really think about what went right what didn't go right, how you can grow going forward. Cause if you don't take a little bit of time to think mm -hmm. about that, you're just going to keep chugging along and you might not get any better. Yep. So uh, well said, I've definitely been, been in that exact same spot. Uh, so appreciate that. Uh, we are, we are coming to time. Uh, I do have a couple final questions for you though. Um, just kind of plug time, right? So, you know, what, what projects uh, are you working on that? You're, so three questions, what projects are you working on that you're super excited about? It's number one. Um, number two, where can people get at you on social media? If that's something you want to throw out there, please do. And then lastly, my, uh, my Jesus and Meryl question, what would the name of Liz's personal playlist be? Hmm. <laughs> um, we have a lot of great projects right now. I think, you know, my, my high school self is super <laughs> excited. We have an Alanis Morissette record coming out. Oh yeah. Nice. He has nice. a brand new album. Um, we also, we just put out this really powerful track from um, Ruth B. It's called, mm -hmm. If I Have a Son, check out the video. Um, you know, it, it's done with footage from all the, the protests and it's just, it's just really powerful. And um, on top of that, there's a new record I haven't heard yet that I'm really looking forward to hear um, from an Icelandic band called Solstafir and nice. uh, can't wait to check it out they're amazing <laughs> i was gonna say it's all about the look on your face you're like legit that's not a line you're like no i really want to hear this, this <laughs> album right now that's awesome um my playlist maybe like dirty swamp <laughs> <laughs> I think that gives you a good uh, picture. Perfect. It's heavy yeah. and you're walking through it and you have to pull your legs through. Oh, I love it. And that's just an awesome title. People are going to be like, what is this playlist? <laughs> I'm going to have to start it out. now. Yeah, that's awesome. That's um, yeah. And, and profile wise, I think uh, people should follow the orchard. Um, yeah. Following me, you're just going to see me in my backyard having a beer. <laughs> Uh, but, but at the orchard at the underscore orchard, um, and, uh, you, we, you can check out all the great labels and artists and, and things we have going on. Awesome. Thanks again, Liz. Uh, appreciate the time. Appreciate you coming through. Glad we could finally make this happen. And, um, yeah, I look forward to, uh, 
seeing more beer pictures in the backyard and, <laughs> and uh, being envious of your house and that where's your where's your house at again you have one in el salvador in, yes yes i knew it was, hoping it to was, be able to get back down there soon yeah yeah definitely so uh, again appreciate the time great thanks for having me